Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. Good morning, church. Good morning, Global Church and all the friends of Global. Great to be with you again this Sunday morning. Just amazed at the reach that we're getting as Global, that my guys tell me that many, many people are tuning in from all over the world, which is brilliant. It's only took me 37, 38 years. (laughs) But Habakkuk chapter 2 says, Though the vision is slow in coming, keep believing because it will surely come and it will prove true and not false. And I believe that Global has got a voice to the nations and to this nation in particular, but to the nations, we have something to say about community, about family, about life, about church and about business. And so we we want our voice to go out all over the world. And the key, the key to everything is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because in Jesus, we find total transformation and a renewal of purpose. And the purpose is not just for this life, it's for the life to come. And so there's absolute vision and purpose and energy and life in the gospel. And so we always want to introduce people to Jesus. The gospel means good news. Jesus is good news. The gospel is the good news about Jesus. When you get to know him, you get to know life. He's awesome. He's real. Anyway, I've got this message about team. Uh, Jesus chose 12 disciples. and One of them were a bit of a dud. But to be honest with you, that's a bit unfair because Judas cast out demons, healed the sick in Jesus' name. It was part of the team. You know, the 11 others, we'll talk about this in a minute, but Jesus chose them and he chose them on purpose. He spent the night in prayer, he fasted and he thought about it. And maybe today you don't come from a church background and I want to say there will be principles that I speak out today that are universal. And, you know, they're not just for church, but they're for family, they're for business and for making things happen. They're for government. We're looking at, at teamwork, built out to build an effective team. Uh, and it should, I'm encouraged because, you know, Jesus built an effective team, but one of them failed at the end. And that encourages me because I've trained many, many leaders and they've all gone on to greater things. And that's fantastic. I cheer them on. Me and my wife cheer them on. Half my church don't even know they exist, but they were with me in the beginning and we cheer them on and it's fantastic. Uh, But not every one of them have gone on and that's just the way it is. And, And that is really up to them. Your success is up to you. It's not even up to God, funnily enough. Even in the book of Joshua, God spoke in Joshua chapter one and he says, if you'll obey all of what's written in the law, all of God's word, He said, if you'll become obedient to God's word, he said, you will make your way prosperous. If I'm speaking to somebody this morning, you know, you keep calling out to God, somebody help me, somebody help me. Listen, the future is in your hands. And when when you come under great teaching, when you come under what the Bible says about teaching, get a good Bible teacher in that. But what, what the Bible says about business, what the Bible says about finances, about life, about treating people, how to treat your workers. You will become successful if you'll live them out in your life. I, along with Global Church, 
want to help you and enable you in that. So last week, uh, we looked, never mind last week, I've just got, honestly, if you haven't got this, this book, get a, get a copy of this book. Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. This is a brilliant book on many people's bookshelf and unread. But, and it was on mine, unread for years. Then I read it. It's, it's totally encouraging, totally amazing, inspiring, enlightening. But when you talk about teamwork and growing a winning team, really what we're talking about is synergy. We're talking about what happens when everybody's gifts come together and they all work together. Uh, uh, you know, and it's like it's seamless. It's fantastic. There's life, there's energy, but everyone's bringing their gift. What they create in the middle is another gift called synergy. And, and its creative force is bigger than all the parts that's involved. And Stephen Covey puts it like this, a lot more simply. <laughs> but I do like my definition of synergy. He says this, what is synergy? Simply defined, it means that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. It means that the relationship which the parts have to each other is a part in and of itself. So everyone brings their gifts and talents and personalities, but there is something else that's created. And he said it's a part in and of itself. It is not only a part, but the most catalytic, the most empowering, the most unifying, and the most exciting part, synergy, is awesome. Synergy is everywhere in nature. If you plant two trees close together, the roots co-mingle and improve the quality of the soil so that both plants grow better than if they were separated. If you put two pieces of wood together, they will hold much more than the total weight held by each one separately. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. One plus one equals three or four or more. The very way that man and women, uh, man and woman bring a child into the world is synergistic and wonderful. <laughs> the essence of synergy is to value differences, to respect them, to build on strengths, to compensate for weaknesses. That's what a team does and it builds synergy. What a beautiful word. So looking at building an effective team, last week we looked at the law of significance one is too small a number to achieve god's purposes and so we're talking synergy you need more the law of the big picture the goal is more important than the role when what you do becomes the be all and end all and you get bent out of shape when your little role is impinged upon or changed or whatever that's when you know that the role has become more important than the goal and that shouldn't be the goal is more important than the role. The law of the niche means that all team members have a place where they add the most value. You know, you can be in, in a team, but in the wrong place, doing the wrong thing. And maybe you should still be in that team, but not doing what you're doing because your gifting hasn't yet been discovered. And we need to look at that, how we can, how we can find that. The law of the compass. Vision gives team members direction and confidence. And we need that. We need that. We need a leader to keep speaking the vision in because it gives us confidence. 
and you can achieve so much with confidence, so much more. You know you can have all the details of a battle, but at the end of the day, if you've no confidence, you're not going to win. But if you've got confidence, then all things are possible, I think. The law of the bad apple. Rotten attitudes can ruin a good team. Team, And you know, we're not each other's mood managers. You have to manage your own moods. That's the same in marriage. It's the same in life. Teach your kids when they're like, well, I'm in a mood. And I understand there's chemical changes as, as the, the 12, 13, 14 years old and stuff like that. But that's no excuse for bad behaviour. There was only once the door was slammed in my house by one of my kids. <laughs> Lots of times through me. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. Only once. When it happened, I was quick to step in and say, that's the last time you'll ever do that. And I started to explain we don't slam doors. And if you're upset, you have to deal with it. And if you need help dealing with it, we can help you deal with it. But you know what? You've got to learn to manage your moods because people are going to get up your nose. Circumstances are going to get up your nose. And if you behave like this, you'll get into a lot of trouble. And you know, you help your kids by confronting them gently and firm, but firmly at a young age, you help your kids. Stop being the best friend. Stop being girly, girly. Stop it. You're their mother. You're not their mate. You're their dad. You're not their bestie. We're there to coach and lead. That's why we have so many delinquents in our world today. Certainly in our nation. It drives me nuts. Because I used to be a delinquent. <laughs> but it drives me nuts. And I'm thinking, what are the parents here? What are the parents doing? Come on, we need to love our kids, love, love them enough to bring tough love in. It's a team. You're the leader of the team as the parent. If you're a one-parent family, it's tough on you. Get some help, but you know what? Don't hold back. Tough love. And let's change a generation through teamwork. It's, it's, it's powerful, is this stuff. Not just for making money, not just for, for corporate business. This is for family. This is for building church. It's for building a good team wherever you are. The law of communication, interaction, fuels action. And, you know, we need to learn to talk. Some of you quiet men, you know, well, I'm just quiet. Well, it's just, no, 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 no. You've got to give yourself. You've got to learn to communicate, especially if you're a believer. Anybody that follows Jesus has to learn to communicate. Why? Because Jesus communicated. It's all in us. Becoming like Jesus. Many men won't confront and they don't confront for a few reasons. Some because they don't want to do it, it's too uncomfortable. But others because they're frightened that they might get angry and do something daft. And I want to say we have to learn. Um, we, let's, let's get near somebody who can teach us how to confront in a great way. But communication needs to happen. And to all you quiet people out there, please don't be as loud and as noisy as me. But you, but you must learn to put into words. You must learn to formulate words. And it's tough sometimes choosing the right words, but you must keep doing it, keep practicing it until you become fluent in it. Let the blockage, whatever is the blockage for you, giving your views or your thoughts. Maybe you were shut down as a kid. Maybe you've been laughed at. All these kind of things contribute to make you mute. But today I want to say to you, you need to communicate. You need to, to be part of the team, whether it's, whether it's husband and wife, or whether it's husband, wife and kids, or whether it's church and a, and a, a dinner party group, or whether you're, you're, you're leading a church or, or leading a business or part of a business. Come on, you need to contribute. Commu the law of communication, interaction, fuels action. 
You know, some of your thoughts, if you would share them, could be the key to unlocking great success in the team that's around you. Have you ever thought about that? And we looked at the law of the chain. The strength of the team is impacted by its weakest link and we need to deal with the weakest link. And we need to deal with people that are in the wrong place or shouldn't even be in the team, should be in a different team. I'm going to look at that probably next week because I don't think we'll get it get through it this week. We looked at the having a common identity, a common language and a common goal. And we looked at the people building the Tower of Babel in the Old Testament. And they had a common identity, common language and a common goal. And even God Almighty said, nothing can stop them. And you know, Global, I want to speak to you as a church and I want to say, when all them three things are true of us, we are the unstoppable church. We become the unstoppable church. And you know, lockdown has become has, has become the open up for us. You know, we're, we're, our reach, although it's always been greater than our numbers, our reach is getting even bigger. You know, I want us to be, to be aware of it because if you're not aware of it, you won't capitalize on it. And you know, our words are going out around, the, the, around this earth. That is amazing, just in, in and of itself. But you know, I want to be people, I want to breed a people that is, that is uh, authentic and full of life and energy and truly free and very generous. Uh, that's right deep down within our DNA. Breed's probably the wrong word, I want to train. <laughs> okay, recruiting and enlisting team members. When choosing a team, look for five things. I'm looking at the, the word gifts. And so the first one, we'll, we'll look at G is for gifted. People have abilities in the area where you need, where you have needs. And, and that's where you've got to have other people in. I can talk, but I can't administrate. I can talk, but I can't get us online. I can, can you see what I'm saying? I can teach and train. I've got wisdom, I believe, that people need to hear. And it needs to get out there. But I'm 30 odd years and I've never been able to get it out there. And so I need a team to help me get it out there. Can you see what I'm saying? And maybe you're running a business today. And, and, and you're a gifted woman or a gifted man. And it's just not growing the way that you need it to. And you've got to look and enlist people with gifts that will complement yours. And that will supplement yours. So G is for gifted, I is for influential. Look for leaders who already have influence in their circles. Look for people that are already doing it. And I love that about church because, you know, people serve. Uh, voluntarily and the volunteer spirit in global is powerful it's tangible it's amazing and people do a day's work they put the kids to bed then they come and serve you're like wow and we don't pay them a penny and they don't expect to be paid and I'm, I'm just blown away by that and so uh, what I'm saying to you is is that these people in church I watch them being influential I watch them how they are with people, how they are with circumstances and situations, how they handle themselves, how they talk about others. And I get the privilege then of saying, maybe I should hire one of these. Maybe I could hire one of these. Or I'll speak to a business person. I'll say, you know, I've got somebody in my church and they'll be brilliant for your business and I can promote them. And you know, what can't be tested can't be trusted. And yet I've tested so many people within my church under pressure and they are amazing. And I do, I, I mention them to other people. 
I help them to, to start businesses of their own because yeah, I'm speaking into them saying, you've got it. Uh, and, 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 but I've watched them and I've watched them become influential. So, you know, you can't promote what you're not proud of. And there's so many people within Global, I'm so proud of them. And I do promote them. F is for fruitful. Look for people that get results and do what it takes to get the job done. That is a really important line, probably the most important line I'm going to say today. They get results and do what it takes to get the job done. Can I debunk the myth that somebody brings 110%? <laughs> you, you can't. It's mathematically impossible. <laughs> you can't. 110%. Please. You know, for people that come out with them kind of phrases, I'd be happy with 40%. I think I've had a good day's work out of it at 40%. I heard something last uh, a few years ago, a few years ago now, and it was this. Your best is not good enough. And that's a phrase... Uh, it's alien to me because I've always said, I'll do my best. And I, I've said to my sons, when you go to school, do your best. And they did. And they got the results and stuff. And I were quite happy with them. But do your best. And this guy was saying, your best is not good enough. And he says, because when you say, I'll do my best, it leaves you the option of not getting the job done. And so what you're looking for is somebody that's dependable, that when you give them a job to do, they get the job done. They don't do the best. They get the job done. And it might take a while for the penny to drop there, but there's been many a time when I've done the best but failed the task. And because people have liked me or, or they've been kind to me, it's like, yeah, it doesn't matter, we'll have another go next week. No, 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 go for people who will stick around and make it happen until they get the job done. Maybe I'm speaking to you today and you're saying, I'm shocked at that. <laughs> I want to say, be shocked, but be revolutionised. Because it, it, it will call on more skills and more energy and it will call forth more skills and energy that are inside of you. It will pull them out uh, because you think, no, I've got, I have to do this. I've been asked to do it and I've said I would. So now I'm going to make it happen regardless of the obstacle. Okay, trustworthiness. Choose people that have got integrity. It's difficult to train in character, especially as people get older. And that's why I'm passionate about children and young people, you know, being trained from a young age to serve, to, to take care of things, to take responsibility, to learn how to be kind, to manage the moods, all those kind of skills. So look for people of integrity. Integrity is you are in the dark what you are in the light. And the, the, when there's things happening that, that you know are not right and nobody knows about, you, with integrity, you start to work on that to get rid of them. You do. And we need to. So uh, look for a person of integrity. And last of all in that, that is it anagram or something of gifts, is S stands for serving. They have a generous servant's heart. Don't bring onto your team anybody that doesn't have a servant heart. That's my advice to you. Don't do it. People need to serve. And we need, to, we need to serve. They need to be able to serve people where people get further than they do. That, that's a real servant. And, you know, there's an old saying, we all love the badge of being called a servant until somebody treats us like a servant. We all like the idea of being a servant until someone treats, treats us like one. You know, we've got to learn to serve. Well, you don't get a thank you. We're well, not appreciated. 
and you know that toughens you up and you become far better as a servant and it gets less complicated for anybody that works with you you, you become low maintenance that's a great one in global low maintenance become low maintenance oh I've, I've been working all day oh it's so hot in here i don't i don't know i've got through today a lesser person would never have got through a day like today <laughs> make it look easy that's what we say in global make it look easy okay let's carry on jesus as our biblical example you know maybe you're not a believer today but go with this jesus is the greatest leader that ever lived and i know you won't know that and many many christians don't know they think he's a, a good leader like many no 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 he is the top he is the best leader ever his example is brilliant it's just it's just the best jesus had definite expectations of his disciples when he chose them he prayed all night and then he specifically chose 12 men who turned out to be faithful and available. And we know Judas went a bit uh, wrong at the end. But generally speaking, they showed initiative, they were teachable, and they were hungry. Teachable. That's, such a, that's just something to look for. They were teachable. Are you teachable? Are you teachable at work? Can your boss give you an order? We are thinking, well, I didn't like how he spoke to me like that. Are you teachable? You'll know you're teachable because you get things from your leader, whoever your leader is. Could be your school teacher. It could be the head teacher of your school that you're a, a, a school teacher in. But how fast do you get their vision? When they're teaching you stuff, do you grasp it or are you still full of questions? You know, people have come to me over the years. You know, they, they come near leadership and they ask lots and lots of questions. Endless, endless questions. And they think that by it demonstrates like they're a thinker. And I want to say, no, it's, it's wearisome to just keep being asked loads of questions. You know, bright people ask strategic questions. They don't have lots. They just have two or three that unpack so many things. In fact, usually their questions get another leader to think about what they're doing because the questions are so thought through and powerful. But how quick are you to grasp and to get hold of or to want to get hold of what you're being told by your leader? How quick, that's, that's a teachable spirit or not. You'll be able to decide which camp you're in, one or the other. But the short initiative. Initiative is where you're bubbling over. You've been asked to do something, but you finish it quick, quickly and you want to go and help other people. You're, you're on it, it's initiative. Sometimes initiate people with initiative make the wrong decisions. They're just full of it. They're full of energy and life. And they're fantastic, but at least they've got initiative. You can train that. You can shape that. But uh, to have to put that into people is drudgery. Uh, but when it's there, train it. So they were, they showed initiative, they were teachable, and they were hungry. How hungry are you? I want to speak to Global Church for a moment. How hungry are you to see people come to faith in Christ? Do you never get bored of just coming to church and doing the rounds every week? Do you never get bored? I find that the most tedious, boring, demotivating thing in my life. I can't stand it, not even for a moment. We can have the best coffee, the best welcome, the best preacher, the best worship, and I don't give a toss. I don't. If there's not people 
coming to faith in Christ. I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be clever here. I've made my views known for years. It's like we have a goal to make disciples. It came from Jesus the King. So it's like, I am not going to settle just to play and just for it to be nice for my family and good and helpful to my family. I'm not, and I don't want you to. Can you see me smiling? <laughs> I'm not telling you off this morning. <laughs> I'm exhorting you. I'm encouraging you because we, we don't just live for here and now. We don't just live for ourselves. And so let's keep connecting with people. And let's keep helping people to come into our world. Let's get involved in their world. And let's mix the two up. And it becomes really exciting. My most exciting times are not speaking to hundreds on a Sunday. My most exciting time is speaking to twos and threes in the nightclubs and the bars in this city called York. Or in coffee shops. And, 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 and I'm, I'm fascinated with people's lives. And when people begin to open up to me, they call me Pastor Dave in the city. <laughs> you know, I'm not even called Pastor in the church. I'm called Dave. So that's what my mum christened me. She christened me Dave, not Pastor Dave. So I'm called Dave. But people outside the church call me Pastor Dave and I go with it. Because it's a point of identification. That's fine. But you know what? The twos and threes is where I really get excited. And, and talking about my faith, answering questions, giving out wisdom for bringing kids up and helping with marriages and stuff like that is phenomenal. So I don't want to start a Christian circus. I don't. And I don't want you to. I want you to have a heart that beats with compassion for those who don't know God. And let's take this fantastic message out and let's see cities and nations transformed. I believe it can. I do. I was trained in a Methodist Bible college and you know the Methodists transformed this nation called Britain. People said, some historians said that they averted uh, uh, like an internal war, civil war. So what, what the Methodists did, the influence they had on government and on, on laws of this nation, our laws are based on Christian values. It's amazing the impact Christianity has had on our nation. Is it any wonder God opened up the whole world to us? to get his gospel out. Anyway, I digress. Building a team. Let's get back to it. Listen, this the disciples that Jesus chose were, they had initiative, they were teachable, and they were hungry. Here's a thought. Can you see it? Can you see what needs to happen in the team? Can you do it? Can you do your role in the team? But thirdly, and probably the most important thing is, do you want it? Do you want it? Don't live on yesterday's victories because the question's got to be asked today. Do you want it today? You might have grown an amazing business and it took you 20 years or 30 years or whatever, 15 years, and you've got there. And you're like, this is amazing. You've had all the plaudits, all the applauses and all the, the, the things, the trophies that people can give you. And you're wearing it, but inside now you've had it. You've no longer left. You don't want it. You see it and you can do it, but you don't want it. And I want to say that Jesus can re-envision you for your original vision and increase it. He can. And for me, vision, where Jesus re-envisions people, it's like having a pencil sharpener. What happens to a pencil that's really sharp? You use it a lot and then it becomes blunt. You're almost writing with wood. So what does it need? It needs sharpening. 
and re-envisioning is a sharpening. You need to be sharpened up again. This is what Jesus can do in your life. That's my prayer for you as a business person. God sharpens you up again. And uh, same with church leader. You, you get worn down. You do get worn down with being responsible and doing the right thing. You get worn down. And we all need, every one of us, we need sharpening up again by Jesus. I find worship and hearing the preaching of the word sharpens me up again. We have some great preachers in, in Global. You haven't seen them on the set because they're not as handsome as me. We put our best out there. <laughs> okay, moving through. I'm not getting that far today, to be honest with you. So, Jesus didn't leave the selection of his team to chance. Your, expe your expectations of each team member should be clear in their minds. Here are some expectations you might communicate to each person that you add to your team. Number one, attitude. You expect them to keep a positive attitude on the job. You do. No matter what the job entails, you keep a great attitude on the job. And I've seen builders outside with bad attitudes. I've seen them painters up ladders with bad attitudes and grumpy and treating the public badly. And you think, no, no, no. No, we treat people well. A great attitude, a positive attitude on the job. Number two, growth. You expect them to continue growing as a person and as a leader in their own right. And that's what I expect of my leaders in Global. We call it self-feeding. That we listen to podcasts, TED Talks, preaches. We read books by Christian writers, great Christian writers, and also people that have no faith who are brilliant writers with brilliant insights. And we look to them to help us to grow. Number three, relationships. You expect them to work with others as a team. And here's what's important there. How they speak about the teammates privately is really important. Not just publicly, but privately. How do you speak about your team, your teammates? We've got to watch for that. We've got to speak well of the team. And if we've got issues, we need to sort them out. And last of all, number four, mentoring. Make it plain to your, your team member, you expect them to be developing other leaders. It's not enough just for them to be able to do it. That's great, but you'll never grow. You'll never multiply. That's where it all came from. This, this idea of multiplication, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, 28. Go and multiply. Go and increase. That's what we're meant to do as a church, as a business, as human beings, as families. And so how do we multiply? Well, we train people. We're meant to people. I do. You watch and then we talk about it. And then I do and then I get you involved because I've, I've given you the theory. So, you know, we've talked about it. You've watched me do it. Now I'll get you involved. And then we can talk about that. What was good? What was bad? What was challenging, etc. And then it's a matter of now you're doing it and I'm still involved just to catch things where, that, that are falling. And then last of all in the process is that you're now doing it and I'm watching and we talk about it afterwards. And then I watch you again to see you choose somebody else where you go and repeat that process. And that's how we pass it on to others. I'm sorry, my time's up. I've got to finish. I wish I could spend longer. I'm buzzing with all this. <laughs> so, you know, creating a great team. You know, keep in mind synergy. It, synergy is the thing that all the sum 
of the parts create. They bring their own energy and strength, but they create something else called synergy. And that gives a, a stronger and more powerful and far-reaching influence. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website 